0: So, America should be saved America should be saved I want to look at the theology of the Apostle Paul in the last chapter of the book of Acts one again, once again I started that a couple of weeks ago I want to work with that a little bit more there's some more treasures, some more revelation there applying to our Belief, our anticipation, expectation, confidence that America will be saved. And what we have with the Apostle Paul is a culmination of 30 years of supernatural resurrection, Jesus' life ministry uh, in the book of Acts. 30 years of it that have built to this very moment. Jesus had said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria the ends of the earth, and this is what happens with the Apostle Paul, in the ministry. It's the the preaching of the gospels happened in Jerusalem, and then in Samaria, right next to uh, the next sort of the next state up, Washington State, you might say, <laughs> and then to the ends of the earth. That's like that's what Rome would be, and then it goes on from there, and that's where Luke um, stops the writing. But in the last. Cameo of the Apostle Paul's ministry in the Book of Acts, there are so so many important treasures for us for apl- application to an expectation for America to be saved. Uh, what we have is the Apostle Paul calling the Jews in Rome together to his it's under house arrest, and he wants to share with them the gospel, which he does. And basically, when he shares the gospel. They, they, some of them believe, but some of them don't believe, and it actually starts a sort of a disputation among the Jews, and I, I, that right there made me chuckle because I know that so often um, there's divisions in churches, you know, and one of the secrets to the fact that over the years and years and years that Brenda and I have been uh, ministering that there hasn't been any um, division or divisiveness I believe it's because our focus is always on praise and worship and on the harvest. And it's significant, I think, that, that there's not division amongst the Christians here. There's division amongst the unbelievers in response to the Christians. And we had, when we're filled with the Spirit and we're worshiping and we're focusing on the harvest together, then things get shook up out there. But there's great joy and unity and, and bliss in our relationships. And I heard someone say once that one picture of that is that when you realize the harvest is so high, the wheat is so high that all the fences are, um, are covered. You can't see any of the fences. I'm reminded that, you know, that even in our fellowship, we aren't part of some kind of a denomination where we spell out for you exactly what to believe on every single subject. There's a huge diversity of belief on so many subjects. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's clearly um, expressive of the reality that we believe in miracles, that we have unity, uh, <laughs> given the kind of diversity we have in backgrounds that we have. So praise God for that. So here is the Apostle Paul um, just talking to the Jews there in Acts 28, 25, when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah, the prophet, to our fathers. Then he goes on and and shares with them a negative prophecy about the fact that the gospel's gonna come to you Jews and you're not gonna believe. And so Paul is just saying, God said it was gonna happen. It's a prophetic voice, hearkening back to last week with Jeremiah. Uh, the Apostle Paul is hearing the voice of God, giving them a word from Isaiah. And he's not yet anticipating. And later on in the book of Romans, you remember that he prophesies that the Jews will come back in mass to Christ. But that's not happening yet. That's coming, that's coming later. But the, the Apostle Paul continues after that prophecy from Isaiah. He says, therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. I want you to notice that he doesn't say a remnant of the Gentiles or a few of the Gentiles. He says the Gentiles. And this is a personal prophetic word that he had heard from God that God told him the Gentiles in mass. There's an expectation, an anticipation, a confidence that because of the sovereign work of God in accompanying the preaching of the gospel, that there will be a great response. And the Apostle Paul in these moments has, uh, has some, some nations in mind. He has the Roman Empire in mind. It's a big nation. He has Israel in mind. And he has Spain in mind. He wants all these nations to be saved. And it's not just a remnant, not just a small part of each nation. We know from another place that the Apostle Paul says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that Israel be what? Israel be saved. Not just a few from Israel, not just half of Israel, not even a majority of Israel, but Israel to be saved. He had a vision. It's consistent with You remember what uh, Matthew said, and this is a bit of review from a few weeks ago, but uh, Matthew says, in Matthew's gospel, he quotes Jesus as saying, make disciples of all nations, not just people, but nations. There's an expectation, an anticipation, a confidence in the gospel reaching the world that is way beyond what we would naturally think. And there is a propensity in the church in our day to, when we are aware of what's going on in the world out there, to retreat to a sort of, we are a persecuted minority sort of a syndrome. And we are going to retreat to, um, to our own little group and just kind of hold on till Jesus comes. And Jesus actually said in the parable of the, ta- of the talents, occupy till I come. Occupy. There is a militancy. There is a, a, um, there is a together anointing of we can do this. There is a, definitely in the Bible, we are depicted as sheep tender before Jesus, but there is this also army motif that in our generation, we will rise up and we will be among those that. Join with Jesus. When it is said of Jesus, the purpose of the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And we join with Him. And we preach the cross. And the demons tremble with paralyzing terror when we preach the simple cross of Jesus Christ. His resurrection, His anointing, His blessing, His joy, His future. All the good things that put a big smile out of our hearts, onto our faces. These are the things that um, rock our worlds and um, what we expect to happen for the nations. And so we can, with confidence, agree with Reinhard Bonnke when he said, not just about Africa, but about America. Not just Africa shall be saved, but America shall be saved. We can agree with the internationally famous, gone to be with the Lord um, uh, already now, but Bob Jones, many of you know that he prophesied a soon coming billion soul revival, a billion soul revival. You know, it's consistent with Paul, it's consistent with Jesus in Matthew, and it's consistent with several of the prophecies from the Old Testament. I mentioned, I mentioned them again, a few of them. Psalm 72, verse 8. We learn of Jesus Christ ruling on planet earth from the river to the ends of the earth. The river is the Holy Spirit in the church. The river Christ rules in the church in the anointed Holy Spirit river, which is the church to the ends of the earth. This is the church at work filled with the Spirit. He doesn't work independent of the church. He works through our prayers and through our actions. Psalm 72 11. Yes. I say yes. Yes, yes, yes. All kings. What? A few of them. You know, there's America and maybe Uganda. You know. No. All kings shall fall down before him. All. That's a pretty big word, A L L all nations shall serve him. Not a remnant, all. Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge. Biblical word, knowledge, means cognitive and experience. The earth will be filled with the experience of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Every single day we can look at that promise and say Jesus Christ on planet earth is increasing his government. More today than yesterday and more tomorrow. I love you more today than yesterday. <laughs> you know that you know, so this is this is more there's always more of his government. Of the increase, there will be more. Yeah. Don't be so intense, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, I'm, now some of you are saying, "Well, that's all." Those are all millennium prophecies, and I just remind you what apostolic influence of Bill Johnson comes to bear at this moment when Bill Johnson from Bethel Reading reminded us, reminds us people that it's not appropriate to push off into the millennium the promises that God wants us to be responsible for in our generation today. And I'm not saying they don't apply to the millennium, but I'm just saying I don't want to miss out on my generation experiencing this, and I'm not going to. Okay, I've got one for you. Revelation 7, verse 9. This will shake you up, some of you. After these things, I looked, and behold, means look at it, behold it, look at it, a great multitude, Greek word is mega, a mega multitude, this line, which no one could number of all nations. A great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, everybody's Holy Spirit then, too much silent praise. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Praising God and praising Jesus, the Lamb of God who blood bought us with his blood into such a state. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm going to levitate here. (laughs) Which no one, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations. A crowd so big, worshiping God worshipping God from all nations a crowd so big that no one could even count them ever i know this flies in the face a little bit jesus christ said broad is the way that leads to destruction narrow is the way that leads to life you find it i submit to you the possibility for your cons- your prayerful consideration that Jesus may have been referring to Israel in his three-year time. Because there were few that responded there at that time. I refuse to accept the theology that says we are a persecuted minority that's got to hide. When the Spirit is saying to the churches in 2022, occupy. Amen, (laughs) Leslie. (laughs) We see examples of God saving huge cities and nations in history. We see Jonah responding to the great Moby Dick (laughs) prison. (laughs) Big fish, cast out and decides that he will, after all, go to Nineveh. I want you to notice, why was it he didn't want to go to Nineveh? He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt his preaching was going to work, and he didn't want it to work. He wasn't afraid of going to Nineveh because he was afraid they were going to get him. He was afraid God was going to get him in a positive way, and he didn't want to join in that party. He was so confident in the work of God. God he, Jonah, and this is under the Old Testament, mind you. Three days, a city of 120,000 people fully repents. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. There. There. That's an old covenant. Reinhard Bonke um, is a symbol of what happened in Africa. Right now, the great moves of God are in Africa, South America, and Asia. So we say, more Lord there, and let it, let it spill into America. My point is, friends, that if we we're talking about global success, where there's so many people coming to Christ that we can't even number them, I want, to, I want to throw something else out. Do you think it's more glorifying to God that a small remnant end up in heaven and most people go to hell? Or is it more glorifying to God that heaven is hugely more populated than, than hell? Think about that. Consider revelation. Have confidence with me, will you? In the prophetic words. And America is among them. The nation of Africa in the nations of Africa in nineteen hundred there were less than nine million Christians. In three more years' time, in twenty twenty five, there will be six hundred million Christians. 9 million to 600 million. (laughs) Africa. Let's have that photo of Reinhardt. Yeah, I had to put a motorcycle in there for him. (laughs) There he is, preaching to Africa. He got to be part of that. Look at this. Shades of things to come, friends. Shades of things to come. America shall be saved. Beautiful. And this is, uh, yeah, hold that. Right there, this is China. This is China, friends. Protestant Christianity, and I know it's hard to get the stats right about China because of during Mao's time, it was hard to get numbers. And even still... One source said, Protestant Christianity has been one of the fastest growing religions in China in recent years. Rising from having just 3 million adherents in the 1980s to as many as an estimated 100 million this year. 3 million to 100 million. In Asia proper, Christianity, and it's on fire Christianity, mind you. They're on fire. They are on fire. It's growing twice in Asia proper, it's growing twice as fast as the population, and the population is growing. South America. Do we see the China shots? Okay. In South America, oh, Lord Jesus, running out of time. That's okay. We'll make it. Picking one country out of South America would be Argentina, because I like Argentina. Most of you know the story, I think, of Edward Miller ministering in, in uh, Argentina in the late 1940s. started in Ashland, Oregon. Edward was seven years old and his dad was pastor of the Baptist Church in Ashland where the Cabaret Theater is today. You can go there put your hand on the wall of that Baptist church and say, thank you, Jesus. Or go to the cabaret theater and just look around because this is where it started. The, the cessationist, the, he didn't believe in miracles. The pastor, his wife, um, got very sick. She was dying. And out of the Azusa Street revival, one of the many evangelists that went, across America, preaching the gospel of the Holy Spirit and of of Jesus, unknown evangelist out of Azusa Street in Los Angeles, the revival of 1904 and 5, came to Ashland, heard about this pastor's wife that was dying, asked if he could pray. He said, I don't believe in it, but not going to hurt. He prayed. She got healed and lived 40 more years. Pastor, Pastor Miller turned to the presence of the Holy Spirit, fullness of the Spirit, became a Holy Spirit church, raised his son in the, in the things of the Spirit, sent his son, the church sent his son as a missionary to Argentina where he met with horrible success. Nothing was working. Before he was going to quit in despair, he decided to give himself to prayer. He got four other people, including his wife, to pray with him. And in the context of a, of a just hour after hour after hour of prayer, last-ditch effort for prayer and prayer, one, one of the uh, housekeeping young ladies who he um, got to come to the prayer meeting said, I'm just feeling compelled to go up and pound my hand on the on the on the communion table up at the front and and uh Edward Miller knew that it was probably just a symbol of the fact we need to break off religious traditions and and get rowdy for God and so he said well go ahead just do it and she wouldn't do it it was she was bound by fear that she'd be doing something inappropriate in church and he several more nights went 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 by a prayer and then finally she did and the spirit broke out. The spirit came. And the church became, the whole church there became so on fire. It spread to other cities and other churches and set the tone for, for, um, for, oh, where, who is he? Tommy Hicks, (laughs) who came in 1954 And Tommy Hicks was sort of the second phase of that revival. He was sent to Argentina. He knew things were already starting to happen, but he felt like God was going to do even more, bring it to a new level. And so Tommy Hicks um, felt like God wanted to fill a stadium, 25,000 people, soccer stadium. Everybody said, no way. But he said, yes way. (laughs) And... He he knew he had to get the president's of Argentina Juan Peron permission, and so what do you do if you have to talk to President Biden? You walk to the White House and knock on the door. An armed guard came to the door <laughs> and said, just laughed at it, said, "No way you're going to talk to President Peron. What do you tell me about what you're doing?" And he told him about what he was doing, and the guy said, "Well, you can pray for me i I'm sick, my whole body's just just racked with pain and and so he prayed for him and, he, and the guard got healed <laughs> and said, I'll give you an appointment with the president tomorrow <laughs> which he did, and President Peron had the skin disease he was embarrassed to even let people take pictures of him for the newspaper, but he said- well what Would you pray for me? He did. And instantly, his skin became like that of a baby. And he said, yes, you can have a stadium. (laughs) And the stadium immediately filled with 25,000 people. And soon, overwhelming crowds forced them to relocate to a different soccer stadium with a seating capacity of 110,000, which also overflowed. In two months... Three million were reported to have attended with 300,000 decisions for Christ in two months and a massive number of outstanding healings. Now, one of the things you notice about revival in countries is that, I mean, later Nineveh needed to be destroyed. I mean, because that next generation didn't repent. There's, There's every generation has to step up is the point. And... Um, even in Argentina today, there's amazing moves of God through the ministry of Carlos Anacondia, who is focusing on deliverance. And in 1984, is a picture of him, if we can have that up. Preaching, and can we have Tommy Hicks. Yeah, there's uh, Carlos. See, see the numbers that are coming out for deliverance. So, I'm land this i to remind you of Gideon in the book of Judges. Remember, Gideon in the book of Judges heard the voice of God, heard the prophetic, but it was a fight to believe it and a fight to obey it. I'm not saying this is all going to be easy, but I am saying that the Apostle Paul expected and anticipated revival, and then he pressed into it with all of his heart, even in the face of the prisons in his life, even in the face of the prison, and what prisons are keeping you back? Gideon's prison was a bad self-image, and God called him a mighty man of valor, and Gideon didn't know if God was going to come through or not. He kept having this lack of confidence in God but he he had enough confidence to keep going and God said okay go down and listen to what's going on in that Midianite camp so Gideon and his friend sneak down listen over and the guys the Midianite soldier is telling his friend yeah I had a dream last night and this loaf of bread was rolling down the hill and hit one of the Midianite tents and smashed it and his friend said oh that was from God they're gonna beat us they're gonna beat us up They're going to win. They're going to be defeated. Gideon saw that as that prophetic word, as from God, and he didn't go back and sit in his living room and turn on Christian TV. He didn't go to the next conference and say, oh, this is awesome, man, this is revival. He didn't wait for someone else to do the job. He picked up and did what he could do. The Apostle Paul did what he could do. Luke did what he could do. I mean, Luke's prison was his, uh, the writer, he was a doctor and an artist. Early church history says he was an artist. He could say, well, I don't have time to do any writing because I have to be a doctor and help all these people and I have to produce some artwork. I don't have time to do anything else. And but there is, there's always some kind of prison that will try to stop us. Will please stand up right now? And I just want to say what the Spirit is saying to the churches is God is just determined to bring global, global, global harvest success, and America is not going to miss out, and I'm going to tell you why because the message I'm saying right now about everybody being full blast doing their part is what the spirit is saying to the churches in America. And I predict, it's, this message is going throughout all of, all of America in, in, in churches everywhere, a new shift from audience clergy to servant fire. Fire, fire, America shall be saved. America should be saved can we put that last quote by John Wesley up I'm only one man and I cannot do everything we have that I'm only one man it's by John Wesley the great awakening 1700s I'm only one man and I cannot do everything but I am one man and I can do something and what I can do I ought to do and what I ought to do by God's grace I shall do yes amen hand on your heart we say yes to your prophetic words we say yes to our part in our generation we say yes America shall be saved In Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you haven't started your relationship with Christ, call on him today. He'll come into your, into your heart, make you brand new, put his fire in you to experience an amazing destiny with him. If you're in the audience today, you don't know Jesus. Come talk to me. Talk to someone who brought you. Get that nailed down so you can be on fire for him, be part of this great move of God in the last days. I want to remind you, Let's have, like to have our pastoral care team come forward at the altar right now to minister healing and help to anybody that would like to know how to be saved or would like to have prayer for anything you need, body, soul, or spirit. I remind you that Marty Peterson's prophetic team is ministering. At, in, is that right? Is Marty here? Yes. Okay. So will be ministering. You need a word? Okay. Uh, Jack's going to work with that. And um, word, personal word from God, and then reminder: the Easter drama has a in, Easter drama interest uh, meeting in the multipurpose room at, at ten after. So, God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and give you more and more of His peace and bliss. Amen. Thanks for being with us today.